We have been, of course, as I mentioned, in the book of Acts, and we are going to continue that today. And there's a chapter 4, which is where we are today, is really a continuation of chapter 3, and the the continuation, we got a little bit into chapter 4 last week. I'm going to turn your attention to Acts chapter 4, verse 12 beginning there at verse 12 and going to read through verse 22. It says this, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to him, Whether whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because... Of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And I want to preach for just a little while on anything is possible when we have been with Jesus. Anything is possible when we have been with Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. There is a truth that. When you have been outside, you smell like the outdoors. I sometimes, during when the weather's nice, even if I'm dressed up going somewhere, that I will roll down the window and enjoy the fresh breeze and enjoy the fresh air. But inevitably, when I get to where I'm going, or especially if I'm getting back home, my daughter will be like, have you been outside? Because there is a smell that is distinct to the outdoors that is not on the inside. And, and I, it's not that it's a bad smell. I like the smell. But people can tell where you've been by sometimes how you smell. If you have been out at sea or if you've been fishing, you will smell like where you have been. And you will smell like the environment that you have participated in. I like to eat. I bring up food a lot in my sermons because the thing that follows this is going to get some food. But have you ever noticed, and it's really, it's really true, especially of barbecue places, that if you go hang out in a barbecue restaurant for about five minutes when you leave, you still smell like the barbecue restaurant. Anybody experienced that? There are probably other restaurants that are like that, but you can tell when I've been to eat barbecue or others have been to eat barbecue because they smell a certain way. And people can tell sometimes when they look at you, they've been on vacation, you can look at them and go, man, are you out... Were you outside or were you playing golf or were you hanging out on the beach because their complexion will reflect the fact that they're sunburned or their, their tan is darker and they can just look at you and 
tell where you have been. The question I have for you today is this, can people tell by looking at you that you are a Christian? Is there anything distinct about you? Is there anything distinct in your, your attitude and your actions and your words that is different than other people? Is there anything that is unique about you, that is unique to the Christian life, and that people can just see you and observe you and know that you are a Christian? In our text, we saw the verse that said, They could tell just by their actions and their attitudes and looking at them that these people had been with Jesus. There is a question that was posed. You see it periodically around. It's been around for a long time. It says this, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That, that if they were trying to say, you're a Christian and that's a problem, we don't, we don't like Christians, would they be able to find enough evidence that you are indeed a Christian? Are your attitudes and your actions and your words and your motives, are they different than everybody else? The way you treat people, are they different? The, the supernatural doesn't follow you like the Bible says, that these signs shall follow them that believe. Is there anything unique? about you, anything different about you when it comes to your walk with Jesus Christ. The context of our our passage here today is that, as I mentioned, it's that continuation from Acts chapter 3. It was the man at the gate, beautiful, who had been there for year after year after year. He's begging alms and and week after week, at least Peter and, and John would walk through the, the temple gates. But that particular day, things were different as they recognized this man and they saw him there and, and made the decision that God was going to do something miraculous in his life. And if you were here or if you're just familiar with the passage, you, you understand that the man looked on them expecting to receive some money from them, but Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the man immediately, the Bible says, his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he jumped up and began praising God. And when people saw that notable miracle... They wanted to know about that Jesus who was able to do that. And chapter 4, verse 4 says that there were 5,000 men that were converted. And when the Bible uses that kind of terminology, just like the feeding of the 5,000, it was 5,000 men, not counting women and children. It could have been 15,000, 20,000, who knows. Or the feeding of the 4,000. The Bible just says there were 4,000 men, but there's women and children. And so here, when it says 5,000 people, it doesn't actually say people, it says 5,000 men, which means there could be fifteen or 20,000 people just in that one miracle, in that one moment, they decided they wanted to know Jesus and they are converted. But then, from there, and in fact, I won't actually read all of that. But let's jump down to the the things that I want to pull out of our actual text today. That after that miracle, Peter begins to preach after they're brought into the the ruling elders of the Jews and the Jews are upset about them preaching the name Jesus because as you know, they have rejected Jesus. 
that the majority of the religious leaders of the Jews have rejected Jesus. They've put him to death. And now Peter and John and the other apostles, they're preaching in the name of Jesus and they're doing miracles in the name of Jesus. I want to pull out a few things that relate to the fact that anything is possible when we have been with Jesus. And the first is this, salvation comes when you have been with Jesus. Peter would write it, or say it this way, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That it is only salvation in the name of Jesus. But just knowing that salvation comes in the name of Jesus is, is not always enough. It's, it's about being with Jesus and having an encounter with Jesus. And these men, the Bible said, they were aware. They could look at them and see that they had been with Jesus. It is only Jesus who heals. It is only Jesus who saves. And spending time with Jesus will cause people to want to be saved. That when you really encounter Him, when you come into His presence... It'll make you want to follow Him. It'll make you want to serve Him when you have a true encounter with Jesus. The Bible tells us of Zacchaeus, a wee little man. Was he, if you're raised around, around church and going to Sunday school, singing songs, about the children's Sunday school songs about Zacchaeus being a short man. And I don't really know how short he was, but he was a tax collector, and he was also not only that, but he would rob the people. He would charge them a lot more than they were supposed to be charged. And when Jesus came to his town and Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming, he decided he wanted to see Jesus. But he was never going to get through a crowd of people who didn't like him and people who couldn't stand him, and so he climbs up in a tree so he can see over the crowd and he can see Jesus. And Jesus... Seeing Zacchaeus goes to where he is and he says, come down out of the tree because I'm going to your house today. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend time with you. You were looking for me and you have found me and now I'm going to spend time with you. And after Jesus is done spending time with him, Zacchaeus says, all right, I'm done with all of my stealing and I'm done with cheating the people and I'm going to follow you. And I'll pay back everything I stole from the people because lives are changed when you have been with Jesus Nicodemus, a, member of, a leading member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling 70 religious leaders of the Jews. John 3, he comes to Jesus by night. He doesn't want people to know that he's talking to Jesus. And, and at this point, he's not a follower, but he's an inquirer. He's an explorer. He's wanting to see what's really going on because he recognizes that nobody, and he says this to Jesus, nobody can do these things you do except God be with him. It's just not possible that a regular man can do this. It's just not possible unless God is here. And I, I want to see what's going on. And after that encounter with Jesus, you start seeing Nicodemus show up at the end of, his, at the end of Jesus' ministry and life. And Nicodemus is there following Jesus when he's crucified. And Nicodemus is there when he's resurrected and shortly thereafter. And Nicodemus is probably there in the upper room forsaking his Jewish peers and following Jesus because he had an encounter with Jesus. Salvation comes not just because you hear about Jesus, 
But salvation comes when you spend time with Jesus, when you, when you have really been with Him. And if I could tell you this and say it this way, you can come into a service like today and you can just be tuned out. You can be here for all kinds of reasons that are not really about Jesus. You can be here because you feel obligated. You can be here because your parents want you to come. You can be here because it's just the right thing or you think it's the right thing with to do, and you can miss an encounter with Jesus. But when you come and you're looking to talk to Him and to praise Him as we did, to magnify Him, you can encounter Jesus, and Jesus will change your life. Jesus walked by thousands of people who never, whose lives were never changed. It wasn't being in proximity that changed them. It was having an encounter and an experience with Jesus. I read the passage earlier about the woman at the well the follow-up to the text that I read to you about God seeks people to worship Him in spirit and in truth is, is that she then runs into her city and tells everybody, come and see, because I met a man who could tell me everything about myself. She recognized who Jesus was because she had an encounter and an experience with Him. And salvation comes when we spend time with Jesus. Secondly, is this that education and training are secondary when you have been with Jesus? Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I have some education, I have a college degree, I have a master's degree, got a degree from the School of Hard Knocks as well, but that helps me in, in certain areas to, to have education and to have training, but I would tell you that all of that pales in comparison to having been with Jesus. That if, if I have all kinds of education and if I have a lot of training, but I don't have a relationship and a real encounter and an experience with Jesus, and, and I don't spend time with Jesus on a consistent basis, none of that is really going to have any eternal impact. That I could get up and I could talk to you and, and create all kinds of logical matrices of why you should believe this and believe that and how it fits together. there's something different and there's something much more powerful that it's not just words but there is spirit that comes when, when you preach His Word and when you talk about Jesus. And when you have been with Jesus and you're filled with His Spirit, lives are changed then. Because we're not just looking to change minds and we're not looking to win arguments. We're looking to have people encounter Jesus and only people who have been with Jesus can change other people. Education and training are secondary when you have been with Jesus. It's all training and education is good, but being with Jesus is better. And maybe the best is when you've been with Jesus and you have education and training. So I'm not diminishing that. I spent 14 years of my life teaching at a Bible school and making sure the doors stay open to train people for ministry. 
I believe in education and training, but I believe much more in people that may not have any clue about what the Greek or the Hebrew says, but they've been with Jesus. And it becomes evident that Jesus is with them. The apostles spent three and a half years walking with Jesus. Every day, all day, they're spending time with Jesus. They're getting an education and they're getting training, but, but more, the saying is that more is caught than taught, that they're picking up on what he's doing and how he's doing it, and they're, they're picking up on his motives and they're picking up on his attitude and the reasons why he does. They're, they're picking up on his love for people. Third thing is this, undeniable miracles occur when you have been with Jesus. And seeing the man, verse 14, who had been healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. It's pretty hard to argue with a lame man who is now walking and leaping and praising God. It's pretty hard to deny that something miraculous has taken place. There is no alternative explanation that God did a miracle. It's not surgery and it's not It's not physical therapy, it's not occupational therapy, it's just in a moment transformed from a lame man into a whole man who is leaping and praising God. And I would tell you that when God decides to show up, He needs no help. That when God wants to do a miracle, He doesn't need the doctors to perform the miracle. Sometimes he works in conjunction with that, but when he's really doing something, he doesn't need help. He can do it all by himself. And it's only people that know Jesus and are following Jesus that can expect God to work through them to see the miraculous. This lame man, he had no idea who Jesus was, probably never even heard of Jesus. He got a miracle, but it was because Peter and John had been with Jesus. Acts 19 tells us of seven sons of Sceva. Don't really know who Sceva was, but in, in the town and where they are there in Ephesus, he was probably known, maybe not, I don't really know, but the Bible just says these seven sons of Sceva, that they were itinerant Jewish exorcists. If you're not familiar with what that means, that means they traveled around, they were Jewish, and they cast out demons. Or at least pretended to cast out demons. And they had seen the miracles, and they had seen demons being cast out in the name of Jesus, and they decided they wanted to get in on that. That they wanted to participate in in that, and they decided to to go find someone who was demon-possessed and try to cast them out in the name of Jesus. So the Bible tells us, and I'll I'll just read it, that some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call 
the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you, exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so as well. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That these decided that they were going to cast out these demons, and they said, in the name of Jesus, we cast you out. And the demon didn't flee just because somebody said Jesus' name. The demons recognized that these people didn't have the Spirit. They recognized that these men had not really been with Jesus. And it's not magical to just say His name. It's not a, a magical incantation that anybody just who says His name, all of a sudden miracles happen, but only for those who've been in relationship and who have been spent time with Jesus have the power to cast out demons and have the power to see the miraculous done through them. That God is not working through just anybody, but He's working through His people. Now, He can choose to do so because He's God. But these signs follow those who believe. A number of you here who speak Spanish, and you may have friends whose names are Jesus, Demons don't flee when you're talking to your friend or you're calling his friend just because you call his name. It's about which Jesus. And it's about being in a relationship with him and having spent time with Jesus. Fourthly, God's glory spreads when you have been with Jesus. So after being beaten, verse 17 says, so that it or after being chastised, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to him, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. You decide if you think it's okay. He says, But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God because of what had been done. For the man was over 40 years on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. But the result, and I mentioned this last week, but the result of this miracle is this, is that the 5,000 men and who knows how many others were saved, that God's glory began to spread because of that notable miracle, not just to those who were in the area, not just to the, the 5,000 that came to know Him, but the glory of God began to spread around the country. This is the great commission in action. This is what Jesus had commanded them to do, is to go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things. I've commanded you. It is Acts 1 and 8 in action. But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in, Jude 
in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is God's mission in action. The Bible would later say of these apostles, and maybe more importantly to any Christian who was doing this, but they who have turned the world upside down have come here also. That everywhere they went, the glory of God spread and people were converted. But one thing I do know is that you cannot give what you do not have. I can't give you a million dollars. But I don't have it. There are plenty of people out there that might could give you a million dollars, but I can't give it because I don't have it. And in the same way that I don't have the money to give you if you need that kind of money, people that don't have a relationship with Jesus and don't have Jesus can't give Jesus. People that don't have eternal life can't help you find eternal life. People that aren't filled with the Spirit can't help you get filled with the Spirit. People that don't believe in the infilling of the Spirit are not going to ever help you get there. You can only give what you have, and you cannot give what you do not have. I've mentioned this before, but atheists can talk about Jesus. I know of atheist scholars who spend their lives studying the Bible who don't believe any of it's miraculous and any of it's supernatural, and they do not have a relationship with Him. Just talking about Him will not change you. As I close, salvation comes when you have been with Jesus. Education and training are secondary when you have been with Jesus. Undeniable miracles occur when you have been with Jesus. And God's glory spreads when you have been with with Jesus. Anybody thankful that you know who Jesus is today? Anybody thankful that you've had an opportunity to encounter him and to experience him and you wouldn't be here if you hadn't experienced him and encountered him had he not been drawing you to him? And so would you just stand right now and would you just begin to lift up the name of Jesus and would you begin to exalt him for just a moment? Jesus, we love you. We praise you because of who you are. We praise You because of who You are today. Let the power of Your Spirit and Your presence, Lord, work in us. God, we magnify Your name. We magnify Your name today. God, we thank You for Your glory and for Your goodness. Thank You for Your work in our lives. Thank You, Lord, that we can come into relationship with You and that we know You. We know who You are today. We bless Your name. We bless Your name. We bless your name today. I've already mentioned the woman at the well. She had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life. And I would tell you that being with Jesus will change your life. It will change the lives of others. There is something miraculous that takes place when you have been my admonition to you today is this to spend time with Jesus in prayer to take time every day to spend time with Jesus to get to know him to to get to experience him and find out what he likes and what he doesn't like spend time in his word every day 
spend time every week or multiple times a week in corporate worship like we're doing today. I would also tell you this. Step out in faith and see God work. Paul would write to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I was reminded at a minister and wives retreat that I was at Friday and Saturday of the need to step out in faith. The need to be assertive. praying with people and talking with people. There was a time in in my life where I'd pray for anything at the drop of a hat and and there are some times where when you pray if you've been around church at all or you've prayed with people and you're like, Lord, if it's your will bring healing. Lord, if it's your will do this or that and We want His will, but in some ways, that's a cop-out. But what we should do is just believe that it's His will, and if He chooses not to do it, well, that's that's okay too. But the Bible says in James, it is the prayer of faith that will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. There's not a lot of faith in going, well, Lord, I hope you'll do it. Maybe you can do it. Maybe you will do it. There have been times in my life in the past where I would pray for people and whatever it was take authority over that and just command the headache to come out or command the cancer to come out or command the heart to be healed and it's not that he did it every time but there's plenty of times that he would one particular lady if I could say tell you this story I was my father's church in Louisiana and I preached and this lady had a tumor visible tumor we prayed and took authority over that tumor and the lady standing next to her had her hand where the tumor was and as we commanded that tumor to leave it shrunk under her hand it's not because I'm anything but God is a miracle worker but it probably doesn't happen and we're like oh Lord maybe you can do this maybe you want to do this spoke and it was healed. The next lady in the line had a heart problem going in for surgery. Instantly healed by God. So I would tell you is that step out in faith. And I don't always do it and I was reminded of that on Friday when the preacher was preaching and he said that the rod of Moses, and if you know the story, and I won't go into I won't spend a lot of time, but Moses, he takes the rod and he throws it down and it becomes a serpent and he uses that rod to hold it up and it, the Red Sea parts. But that rod and having that rod and just carrying it around and putting it on his shoulder never did anything. But he had to step out and he had to throw the rod down. And he had to pick the rod up and he had to stretch out the rod. He had to do something with the rod. What I would tell you is that we have to do something with the Spirit that's in us, and we have to do something and step out in faith. And when we do, 
that's when miracles happen. That's when signs and wonders happen. I have to step out in faith and share the gospel. How many of you want to see God do the miraculous in your life? want to see God do miracles through you. Would you just lift your hands if you believe that, if you want that. We're all, all across the room. If you want God to do something in and through you, would you just lift your hands right now? Would you begin to praise Him and ask Him to be at work? Jesus, we love You. We magnify Your name. God, there's nobody like You. There's none beside You. There's nothing, Lord, that we want to see more than for Your power and Your presence to be at work in us. Jesus, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You, Lord, that You choose to work through us. That You choose, Lord, for Your presence and power to dwell in us, to change and to transform our lives.